Good morning and good coffee. And welcome to Morning Coffee with Larry. It's good to have you here today. I hope you are going to have a great Friday. I am so ready for the weekend. <clears throat> I have uh, got a lot of things that I'm looking forward to doing in a bigger chunk of time than what I'm able to do in the evening after a long day of work. So I've got a variety of outdoor projects. We'll see how the weather cooperates. I'll probably need to get anything that I want done outdoors done on Saturday because they're talking about a few inches of snow on Sunday. <laughs> we are just in a back and forth pattern this year. It just cracks me up. I remember uh, as a young kid, we a lot of times wouldn't have enough snow to even, you know, be able to use sleds. And then uh, 1978 came around and we had all the snow, the year that everyone from that era will remember. And uh, built igloos and sledded and, uh, oh, it was just a lot of fun. And we had pretty good snows for a few years. You've just got natural cycles. Uh that will bring, you know, the different changes. Uh, it was, goodness, probably in the late 80s, early 90s, they identified El Nino and La Nina with the Pacific Ocean, which has a big part to play in those natural ebb and flow cycles of temperature. So it's, uh, it's to me, it's kind of fun looking at the weather and, and seeing some of the different just natural patterns that occurs. Um, but yeah, they're talking snow on Sunday. We're supposed to have like a high of 29 and a low of 5. So we're just bouncing around. You know, thinking about some of the weather cycles uh, that can be extreme. You go back to, I want to say it was 1818, somewhere around there. It was considered the year without a summer here in Illinois. And people in northern Illinois, they were not able to plant crops that winter. Or that, that's, well, you can't plant them in the winter, but they couldn't plant them in the summer. Around this part of Illinois, the word was that there was snow in June. Uh, and that people here had to travel down to southern Illinois to uh, be able to get uh, grain and food uh, to make it through that year. Uh, that's uh, one of the possible reasons. There's there's several different theories, but one of the possible reasons Southern Illinois has uh, a long nickname as being called Little Egypt, uh, with the notion that when there was famine in uh, Northern Illinois, people traveled to Southern Illinois to to buy staples, not. Staples for fasting paper. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's it's still early here, but my uh, but my coffee is warm. Um, today we're going to wrap up the fifth of the five foundations of a successful marital relationship. But this is not the end of our marriage series. Uh, this is just of what I have taught for years as the five foundations, and this foundation is trust. Uh, which is, as you would all probably agree, is vitally important 
in a lot, if not every relationship, but especially in marital relationships. So we'll, we'll pick up trust right after this. Let's talk about trust. Trust is something that <clears throat> I find being one of those dividers among people. Uh, you can, you know, you can put people into two groups on a lot of different things, and trust is one of those. There are some folks that are very trusting, and those that do not trust hardly at all. And let me just talk about trust on kind of an individual basis, then let's look to it on a marital basis. On that ind <clears throat> individual basis, uh, people, some people are very trusting. Now, that does not necessarily mean they are very naive, as a lot of times they're accused of being by those who don't trust. But people who trust in a rational way, uh, they use what, what's called discernment. They look at a situation, they look at an individual, and they, uh, they look to what are ways, based upon how this person is, what are ways that they are trustworthy, and what are ways where they're not. And so a person, they may be able to trust a person um, in this area or this area, but then they know from experience, these are areas where I don't necessarily trust you. Um, <clears throat> one of the, the phrases when I'm talking about trust with my veteran population is, you know, I'll say, you know, can you remember a, uh, a buddy from the military, you know, a battle buddy where you would apply this phrase, I would trust him with my life, but I'd never trust him with my wife. And they'll all smile and nod their heads like, yeah, I know somebody like that. And that is kind of a way of looking at discernment. You know, a person, you may be able to trust them to keep uh, information confidential, keep a secret. But you also know that if you loan them 10 bucks that they promise to pay on Friday, you're probably never going to see that money. So it's, you know, it's being able to discern and think about the different levels of trust that you have with people. Now, there are also those who don't trust, and they look at trust in very much a whiter, black, you know, on-off way. They see trust as like a light switch. Either I'm going to trust you 100%, or I'm not going to trust you with anything. Now, that's the simplest way. But what's the result? If that's the simplest, people tend to gravitate towards the simplest, towards the easiest. But what's the result? I can tell you what the result is, the eventual result, because these are folks that often come into my counseling office or they have been sent by somebody to my counseling office because they do not trust anyone. Because plain and simple, we're all sinful human beings, you know, talked about that with forgiveness. And people who do not trust often have a very big forgiveness issue. They hold on to those things. They remember the offense from the past, and that has now ruined it for a person. 
are for that person. They, they cannot forgive them. And eventually they will get to a place where they do not uh, trust anyone. I'm, I'm working with an individual right now and this person is, I, 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 sometimes I will use the term locked inside and there's different ways in which I use it. But in this case, the person has set up so many beliefs that center around the inability uh, uh, to trust people or basically the view of no one is worthy of trust that why should this person ever believe me when they came to me and they're trying to get help, but everything that I say is met with, but I can't trust that. They've locked themselves in. Now, if we look at trust and the importance of it for having any kind of relationship, because this person doesn't have relationships with hardly anyone, um, how important is trust to a marriage? Yeah, it's so vital. It's one of the five foundations. <clears throat> so what you need to, to look at is if there are struggles with trust in your marriage, um, I would say look at two things. One is, is this person one of those like I just described? Is, is the person, you know, whether it's just one or is it both parties in the marriage, do they have a systemic personal issue with the concept of trust altogether? <clears throat> because that, that could be something they brought to a marriage. And, you know, you have to look at that. That may take some significant counseling to, to make some progress with. Or is it the kind of um, trust issue where it is more related to a problematic marriage? It's not necessarily where they don't trust, you know, people in general, but is there a problem that has occurred with the marriage? See, I think when, it, when we're looking at that, <clears throat> boy, my throat's bothering me today. Forgive me, clearing it so much. Where I think the problem is with that is trust seems to be one of those, or seems to be the foundation that is tied very closely with every other foundation. And here's what I mean. If you are low in the area of commitment, if commitment is not a strength in your marriage, if it if you don't have that solid commitment, well, that leads to an issue of trust when it comes to, you know, is this relationship going to last or not? What's holding it together? If I don't have a decision either with myself or with another person, why do I put the time, why would I want to put the time and the energy into this relationship if it's going to fall apart? So, when, uh, when commitment is low or not existing, you're going to have an issue with trust. Now let's look at respect. If you have a spouse that is demonstrating disrespect for you, or if you disrespect your spouse, 
you're not seeing yourself on an equal level with them. Either you see yourself as above them or they see themselves as above you regarding your behavior. And then that, of course, bleeds over into how they view, you know, how the person is viewed, you know, altogether. Well, is that somebody that is easy to trust? Because you don't know when they're going to do something that they would, in essence, preach against, but they're doing it in kind of a retaliation. So whenever respect is low, trust starts to fail. Let's look at love. Is there a strong, comprehensive love like I described, you know, a couple of days ago? Is it a love that's composed of mental commitment, emotional intimacy, and physical passion? Is it that kind of love or is it failing in some way? And when that takes place, that impacts the ability to trust because that person is needing to have for this kind of relationship, that kind of a comprehensive love. And then finally, with forgiveness. If forgiveness is not happening, if it is a marriage that has a lot of unforgiveness, well, anytime trust starts to grow, it gets stomped down, just like stomping down a little fledgling tree that's trying to come up and it just keeps getting stepped on or wildflowers that keep getting stepped on. Eventually, you know, it can't grow and it dies. And that can happen with trust. So if we're looking at this kind of marital issue with trust, then what happens if you have a strong commitment to the marital relationship and you practice on a regular basis being respectful and defending against disrespect? If you practice a comprehensive love in those, you know, components of love, and if you are quick to forgive because the the marital relationship is so important, you don't want to let unforgiveness have a a foothold, well, guess what's going to naturally grow? Trust. Trust will grow. So that is how, you know, we need to kind of look at trust Is it a big issue on the individual basis, or is it uh, a marital issue? And then by practicing, when we're looking at the marital side of it, practicing the other foundations and trust will grow. All right. Well, that's all we're going to cover on trust for today. Hope this is helpful. And tomorrow we will be looking at a short little Uh, series. I think it's three days where we're going to look at different types of intimacy. In love, we talked about emotional intimacy, and now we're going to start looking at what are other areas where we need intimacy to be closer together as a couple. Have a great day.